Grayson. His message is entitled Promises. Good afternoon, everyone. I promise not to be too long today. It's like I say about promises, though, you know, they can be broken. Now, we all know that the uh, Bible is filled with many promises, just, just a, a lot of promises from Genesis to Revelation. There was a little boy who was eight or nine years old, and uh, he put on his ball cap one day, and uh, he went up to his dad, and he said, Dad, I'm ready. And his dad said, uh, what do you mean? What do you mean you're ready to go? Where are we going? And he said, uh, fishing, remember? We're going fishing. So his father, sitting in the easy chair, said, you know, I've got a lot of things I need to do today. Uh, things to do around the house. And uh, how about just watching a, a, a game on TV or you can go out and play with your friends. But you promised, said the little boy, dejectedly, of course. You promised. You said we'd go fishing today. Father says, well, not today, son. Maybe tomorrow. But you said today. Not maybe tomorrow. You promised. So he was discouraged, and he turned, and he went away. So put yourself in the shoes of either the, uh, the child, the little boy, or put yourself in the shoes of the father. And the rest of the story will be left up to you to decide how you want to finish that. Sometimes we make promises to do this or that for someone and sometimes we either forget it or we do it, do something else in lieu of that promise. Have you ever broken a promise? Have you ever had a promise broken to you? A promise is defined as an assurance that something will be done, that something will happen. So when someone makes a promise, you have sort of a dependence on that coming through. But a promise is only as good as the person doing the promising. Now sometimes when we pray, we do not always get what we want. We don't always get what we ask for. And it's often hard to understand why. After all, didn't God say that uh, all we need to do is ask and it shall be done? And though we may expect a miracle right then and there and it doesn't happen, we may doubt it ever will or maybe it's probably going to be a long time in coming. But the promises of God are things that give us hope. And things hoped for are real, even though we do not have them in hand. So we can see how this hope would you know, have to do with faith. It would have to do with what, uh, you know, that's another subject. So it's where we put our confidence. In the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see that, you know, faith is precious. It's, a pre it's precious 
because it is in the sight of God and he takes note of that. So just as we uh, may see the dependence of our children, the faith that they have in us to keep promises and so on, uh, so we have a promise from the Father in a lot of areas in the Bible. Now the faith of the apostles, it says, was obtained. It was gotten. It was uh, uh, put into their possession. And so Peter proceeds to tell them how it, uh, such faith was obtained in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So that's how this grace and peace is multiplied, how it's uh, added up. It's through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Now this grace is God's favor. And this peace is that calm freedom from fear or from worry or agitation or moral conflicts Whatever it is that is upsetting to us, this peace is multiplied in the knowledge of God in Christ our Lord and through all those promises that we read about in the Holy Scriptures. So this would include knowing the promises that God has made from Genesis to Revelation concerning his goodwill toward those who are of faith. Verse 3, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Can we see that as a promise that we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness? Everything that we need is there in his knowledge. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. That in itself is a promise because we are called unto this glory and to this virtue. We're called unto righteousness, including faith, which, you know, which are the things that make for life from the one who has called us to this glory and faith. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding, you know, it's beyond exceeding great, exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It is this divine nature that provides all those things. It sees us through. So these promises made to us is so that we can become partakers, sharing the divine nature. So you can look up, you know, divine nature and see all of the things that, are, that apply to that. And so these promises are like incentives that have us look beyond the present and look toward the future. Salvation, you know, we've been told, we've read that salvation is a gift. And so we need to use the resources that God has uh, given us and to partake of the divine nature. In Proverbs, it says, there's a saying it says, it's, some, it's sometimes real to a lot of us because in Proverbs 13, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's discouragement. It makes the heart sick. Doesn't, when, you, when you are discouraged, you don't feel good. It's, it's upsetting. When we look forward to something that is prolonged in, you know, by our waiting, you know, we can feel sick. We can feel wearied. When we want something, we often want it then and there, but not really trusting that God knows just when and what we need. But 
It says also, but when the desire, and the Hebrew word here is longing, when the longing comes, it is a tree of life. It's a tree of life. So while we may be expecting, you know, just whatever it might be that we pray for or desire, when it comes, it's more than just that. There's more to it that God is, has given. You know, to Noah, he was promised safety. He was told to build an ark. And he also promised Noah that there wouldn't be any more flood to destroy the earth. And as, you know, as a sign, you know, the rainbow. To Abraham and Sarah promised a son from them which would come uh, a great nation. To Joseph, Ephraim, Manasseh, to David, a throne and rulers would come after him, including uh, Christ, King of Kings. So these are just a few of the many promises that we can read about, which turned out greater than expected. So this afternoon, I just want to look through some of these promises that are here from Genesis to Revelation. Let's look at the promises of Christ, first of all, in Matthew 6, verse 33. It says to seek you first the kingdom of God. So we see we have to make that a priority. Daily, a daily priority, because by keeping our minds on the kingdom, we do those things that partake of the divine nature. And all these things, it says, shall be added unto you. So what things are these? Well, go back up to verse 31, uh, where it says to take no thought of what uh, you will eat or what you will wear or what you will drink. Verse 34, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So don't be anxious about tomorrow or the next day or the future, or just the time ahead. Don't be anxious, you know, overly concerned about it. Because when you are experiencing anxiousness, you are experiencing worry or unease, anxiety. Have you ever felt that? It's sometimes because that our hope may seem like it's being deferred for whatever reason. This word anxious that we see is from the Latin word anger, meaning to choke. You've heard that expression before when the pressure is on and one fails to come through, uh, it, they give in and, you know, and they choke. I've choked a lot of times. Now this is, uh, this Matthew chapter six, verse 33 to 34 is not just something that Christ said in passing. It seems like a quiet statement that he made, but there is an emphasis on this and that we sometimes, you know, we just don't see it because it's an admonition in which Christ warned. He warned that we are to not let the cares of this life choke out the divine nature because there will be things that are disquieting to us. The things of this life can ensnare not just the poor but also the rich, the wealthy, it can ensnare the Christian and, you know, the non-believer also. So every person is subject to worry. They're, they're subject to anxiety. They're subject to things that are discouraging. So just by reading this scripture, however, you think, well, you know, God's going to provide for tomorrow. 
He's going to give us clothes to wear. Bread's going to come through the window or whatever. Uh, drink's going to just suddenly appear. But we're not just to sit on our hands. We have to put our faith to work. We read that somewhere. And we have a duty to work to provide for these temporal things, you know, like food and clothing. In Proverbs 6, chapter 6, beginning verse 6, it says to go to the ant. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provides her food and her, her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. There's a time to do things, a time to get it while the timing is good. You always see these ants busy. They're, you know, they, they make these little paths from, their, uh, from the, their hill. Little, they look like little roads. I remember when I was a kid, I used to look, uh, go to these ant piles and, and look at their uh, roads. They're going back and forth, bumping into each other. You know, one might be carrying a piece of a moth wing or uh, a grasshopper leg. But they bump into each other and they go around. And so as a kid, I would uh, pretend I was a uh, bomber, a pilot. And I would uh, throw uh, rocks at these trails and the dust would fly and, you know, they'd scatter. And, you know, in a way, I guess that was cruel. And I'd go to their mound and uh, uh, put firecrackers around it. <laughs> but they kept on keeping on. You could put something in front of them, an obstacle, and they'll crawl over it or go around it. You know, you can learn a lot from nature. But they uh, do while it, uh, doing's uh, good. And so it says to us, how long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands of sleep. So shall your poverty come as one that tra uh, travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. You know, we might be reminded of the, of the virgins. Some had uh, more oil than the other because they were paying attention to their spiritual needs. They were providing for their spiritual needs. And so uh, when you don't do these things, suddenly travail comes upon you and you don't have it. You might choke. And uh, you know that the old saying that there's a cause for every effect. And so we know that this is a very true saying. There is a cause for every effect. So when we do uh, the right things as far as temporal things are concerned, we can expect to have what we need. It may not be always what we want, but the things we need for our temporal, physical life, we can provide for those things. Or we can help others that may need those things. In verse 25 of Matthew 6, Therefore I say unto you to take no thought for your life what you sh uh, shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life, this uh, Hebrew word is uh, uh, suke, meaning breath, the Greek word, is not the breath more than meat. And it's talking about your spiritual life. Is that, is that worth more than this temporary food that we are coveting, that we're wanting, that we're worried about? Verse 26, you know, some of these are uh, in chapter 6, I didn't, uh, these won't be on the screen behind me, but uh, he talks about the fowls of the air, that they don't sow, neither do they reap nor gather. 
into barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they are? So we're, we're not to worry or be so overly concerned about those things. In verse 33 it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Your Father in heaven is not going to let you go without. He knows what you need. He will supply those needs. And I know as some of you have had those needs supplied. It may have come a long time after you have asked for it. But it, it has come. So we have to see that this is a promise. These things shall be added unto you. We've read elsewhere, you know, where it says that no man can serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon to love material gain more than a spiritual gain. If you do, you neglect the things that make for eternal life. You go without that, spirit, uh, that spiritual, that divine nature just for things that are temporary and they can't be taken with you. In Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, because of the spiritual things that he has neglected. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. So we see these things, and we look at these things, and we see promises that are made to us. And so these are, these are sure promises of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So we can ask, well, are they real? Are they dependable? In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, it says that uh, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent or you know, change his word. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Some might question. Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? He does. He does those things. He, he makes it good. Ancient pagans uh, viewed uh, offerings as bribes to their gods to, to manipulate their gods. But we have a God who just says, I will. I promise. I'll do this. There's no need for us to do any bribes. The promises of Christ, we know, so we see from this uh, scripture that they are unbreakable. And they are precious. They're not the, like the promises of man whose promises do not always come through. He doesn't change his mind. He won't go back on his word. We see these as promises. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things, or take concern for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So you know, there, there, there are going to be concerns, not only presently, but concerns that are coming tomorrow and even in the future. We know that in this age, good news is hard to find. Sin is rampant in almost every aspect of our society and around the world. But in Christ, there is hope. 
and the promise of good news. And that's why we come today. That's why we uh, uh, have our Bible as our, our precious word, you know, the sword. So there are promises, promises of good news. There are also promises made to the repentant, those who have, you know, uh, who are now or in the process of turning their lives around. In Hebrews chapter 6, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Uh, in the previous verse it says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his, uh, his name, all those things done in his honor, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So God sees this, and it registers, and it will not be forgotten whatever uh, work you've done. Verse 12, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, because that's what it will, that's what it will take. We look upon those that have been in the church a long time, those who have uh, suffered loss, great loss, and those of us who've been around them can see that faith and that patience, that work of love toward God uh, in their life. And that is something that we can look to because they look to Christ because he suffered. He had some losses. But we look to these people, to the people that are that have you know gone on before us in their patience and their endurance. They may not have had all their promises fulfilled, but they will. It's coming. Because when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently, that's Abraham, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. You know, men have to swear by something greater than themselves. You've heard some, maybe uh, some actors portraying, well, I swear on my mother's grave. And, uh, you know, in the courts you swear upon the Bible, something that is greater than themselves. But the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. But... What we have here, since there's no greater to swear by, God says, I will, I promise, I will multiply you, I will bless you. So the words of God, God are sure. He said, I will do it. Wherein, verse 17, God willingly, more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. So it's unchangeable. We are the heirs of promise. Verse uh, 18. Two immutable, unchangeable things in which it is it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. You know, we live in hope. Christ is our hope. Which, we, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. 
It's a good expression because when you are a, bow, uh, a boat out on troubled water, you let down the anchor to hold yourself in place. It's an anchor for the soul. And when our spirit is beset by stormy trials and waves, we have an anchor of the soul. It's sure and steadfast and which enters into that within the veil, either the inner, inner sanctuary, you know, behind the curtain of the uh, Holy of Holies, speaking of Christ, uh, whither the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus went before us and has entered on our behalf to be our anchor for the soul, to be the one that is sure and steadfast, and he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So we know Jesus Christ, we know about his sacrifice, and we have from him great and ex uh, precious promises, and he makes daily intercession for us. He knows what it's like to be human. He came from heaven giving up his glorious uh, glory, to become human, the savior of all mankind, all humankind. And you remember he said over in Genesis, he said, you know, he was the spokesman. He said, let us make man in our image. And then he's also the one who said, the end of all flesh has come before me. You know, when in the days of Noah, all the, all the corruption, the violence, the evil that was being uh, committed. And all fleshly life would have ended at that time had not Noah found grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord. Still, we know that man had to be tested. He tested uh, Abraham. He was sorely tested. And God gave him great and exceeding and precious promises. And he worked through faithful people all the way down to today. Where, you know, as we sit here in, in this uh, sanctuary. There's been tests, there's been trials. So man needs mercy. There's none perfect, all have sinned. Not, there's none righteous, even, those, uh, even though they believe with what little faith they have. Christ supplies our righteousness, gives us mercy, gives us kindness. The blood of bulls and goats, you know, was just temporary, but when Christ came, he was a sacrificial lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. We look back upon the life of Christ. He hungered. You ever been hungry? Of course you have. You ever been thirsty? He thirsted. He felt rejection. He felt pain. But he learned from those things which he suffered. And, and in our life today, we learn often from the things that we suffered or even the things that we even suffer now. We learn from those things. Galatians chapter 3. The scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Verse 26, for you are all the children of God and by, uh, by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We remember Christ, he tested Abraham, and Christ saw Abraham's faith and uh, 
promise all the physical and spiritual blessings to him, of which we are recipients even today. Second Timothy, chapter 1, I'm just going to quote this one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. So we have the promise of life in the Savior. He lived for us. He lived for each and every one of us. And he who takes up his cross to follow him in faith, he lives for today. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 2, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, to you word, uh, you know, the Ephesians, they were a pagan, pagan people. They, they were their Asian center of, of, of the occult, of cultic practices. They had that temple of Artemis or Diana, and it was a great temple that people visited. They went there by the droves. It was a, one of the ancient wonders of the world. And from what I read, it was like a, about as long as the football field and as wide. And it had a marble roof. And so it was a very magnificent temple that they thought their god, their, uh, Diana, was there. And so they looked to that, but, you know, it, it was just a temple. And Paul was there in Ephesus for about three years preaching and eventually, the converted began to burn all those witchcraft books, those occult books and practices. And so the, those uh, sorcerers were beginning to lose uh, money. But he had changed them by proclaiming the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And so th there were these mysteries there in Ephesus. So they were a pagan people. In verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote a four and few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So he is presenting this other mystery to them. Since these cults, they, you know, they, they like these mysteries. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles. In, and prophets by the Spirit. So what was this mystery? What was this secret? It's that uh, the Gentiles, verse 6, should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his, uh, of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Let's go ahead and go on down to the book of John. Let's get the rest of this here. Uh, John 1. It says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So the very first breath that the Word <clears throat> put into man is that same breath that is given unto us today. You know, the breath was put into Adam and then Eve, and that breath of life has continued in a physical way to the present. But uh, we're to be made in the image of, of God, and when we realize that, we realize that Jesus is the source of life and the hope and the promise of life. 
But we are still mortal, and the promise of everlasting life is yet to come. And though we are weak and sometimes doubtful at times, sometimes we suffer uh, loss and have heartaches and we have pains, and, but yet we still have these great and exceeding promises. So I want to read just uh, some of the many promises. I'm just going to quote these uh, promises that we find here in the word of God. In Psalm 84, verse 7. I believe it's 11. I don't know where I got 711, but maybe, maybe there's something to that. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, a sun and a shield, a light and a defender, a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be held from them that walk uprightly. That's a promise. Isaiah 49, verse 29. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. That's a promise. Are you faint-hearted? Are you weak? Are you wearied? Do you not have might? He increases strength. Isaiah 46, verse 4. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and even to your old age I am he, and even to whoreheads will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. So from, you know, from our youth to our old age, he will carry you. Remember that uh, poem about footprints in the sand? You know, you see these t uh, two pairs of footprints, and then it uh, becomes just a footprint all by itself. Because, you know, as the poem goes, that uh, that's where uh, Christ carried you. He carries you through. Reminds me of a time when uh, I used to run barefoot a lot when I was a kid. I, I think we had shoes. I don't remember. But, but uh, we would go, uh, boys and I, when we were young, we would go uh, streets where we lived. You know, they weren't always paved, and sometimes we'd cut across a lot. And before you know it, we, you, we look down and we're in a patch of what they call bull heads, those stickers, very sharp. They, they look like uh, bulls with horns sticking out of their head. And, and there you are. You don't know how you got across it barefooted, but there you are caught in the middle of this patch. And so your friends or buddies who are there with you, the strongest one, he'll tiptoe around those patches of bull heads and you'll hop on his back and he'll carry you out. So we, you know, we had friends like that. That was good. Carolyn and I were talking about that the other day. But uh, you, you have people, you have those who are in Christ who can help, who can carry sometimes your burden. But, you know, we can take our burdens to God in prayer. But those, that's a promise. Even I will carry and de will deliver you. So we have to depend upon these promises whenever we have a need to be carried. In 1 Corinthians uh, 10 verse 13, there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation 
Also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Every trial is a temptation because it's a temptation to doubt. It's a temptation to just let it go and, you know, just suffer. But he promised that there, he would make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And he gives us these temporal blessings. Those were, you know, he, God promised to uphold the righteous and he gives us temporal blessings. And I'll just want to quote these. Uh, Exodus 23, 25, and you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. In Psalm 34, 9 through 10, O fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Psalm 37, verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shall you dwell in the land, and verily you shall be fed. So we see those promises. We also have the precious promise of you know, our sins being forgiven. Once again, I quote these briefly these scriptures. Isaiah 1.18 Come now and let us reason together. Saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and will not remember your sins. Isaiah 44, uh, 22. I have blotted out as a thick cloud your transgressions, and as a cloud your sins return unto me, for I have redeemed you. Revelation, uh, Revelation 20, verse 6. Uh, oh, not yet. I'll read that later. Jeremiah 33, verse 8. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. So we see that there is forgiveness to the repentant, for, promise of forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 6, uh, 18. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So that's a promise. He's our father, a father unto us. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy unto them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul, he wrote, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. You know, let us purify ourselves from everything that, that contaminates us, the mind and the body of the flesh and of the spirit, reject, uh, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. You know, in other places he said, uh, Be ye holy, for I am holy that we're to walk in the spirit, and that way we won't feel the lust of the flesh. Second Peter 1, verse 4 through 9. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, 
to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to brotherly, uh, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. All these things are the divine nature, and each one of these little uh, words, you know, can be a, a subject in itself. If you know, if you wish to take them one by one and see what they're all about. For if these things be in you and abound, not only should they be in you, they need to abound. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and, uh, Jesus Christ. So we see many promises that are, that are in the Bible that give us hope. They will be uh, fulfilled and I wanted to read from Revelation. I did say, you know, these promises are, go from Genesis to Revelation, and we can't cover them all, but uh, in Revelation chapter 20, it says, Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. So there's a promise that you're going to be blessed, that you're going to be holy, and have part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. That's because you will be immortal. You will be a spirit being. And you shall be, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. So there, there's, there's a big promise there. Matthew chapter 7. It says, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Let me, let me turn to that here. Because I have some notes in the margin, I think. Where am I? Matthew chapter 7. I haven't used my turn the pages here in the Bible in a long time. Yes. Uh, verse 7 of chapter 7. <clears throat> Ask and it shall be given you. There's a promise. Ask and it shall be given you. So we see that prayer is enjoined in our asking. Seek and you shall find. You know, you seek God. This is, this is where you're, that's where you're only going to find the answer to whatever it is you need. And knock, and it shall be open unto you. I promise that if you knock, it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that seeks or asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be open. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So these promises are for us to read, to consider, to hope in. So... The thing is, just keep praying, keep believing, trust in those promises, whether they come today or, or tomorrow or in the kingdom of God, those promises will come. And as we read earlier in Proverbs 13, and when the desire comes or when that longing comes, it will be as a tree of life, more than what we really ask for, more than what we really expect, but a tree of life. So those are the longings, those desires that will come. 1 John chapter 2, final scripture. First John 2, 25. 
And this is the promise that he has promised you. He has promised us. This is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. So that's why, you know, we look to the word of God, because there are promises that are great and exceeding.